Hello, and welcome to the sixth episode of Arpelaya. We're sorry for the delay in releasing new episodes, but we do have many surprises in store for our listeners. So stay tuned and make sure to check out our social media, Twitter and Facebook at Arpelaya. In this episode of Arpelaya, we speak with Afra Atik, a spoken word artist based in the UAE who discusses poetry and art. I won't be able to match your face to your name, but I can tell you exactly what I was thinking about eating when we met. You were a cheeseburger and I was a salad, but who am I kidding? I don't eat salads. They say there is no equation for the number of times you will try and fail. Failure is the product of effort and imagination divided by the number of setbacks. I am not good with numbers. You said I was your seven. I was your perfect prime number, not divisible, undeniable. You said seven. It was seven times I'd look for you before I realized that you weren't coming back. Nine times I repeated the song that you played me when you strummed your guitar. You, you played me. Four years since the last time I looked in the mirror and saw who I thought I was. Five is the number of years I spent in college. Eleven is the number of guys who graduated because of me. Who would never know or see a college degree without help from me. It was the 2nd of August, 2013. 2 plus 8 plus 2 plus 0 plus 3 is 16. The year I learned that friendship sinks and not every hand held out is a hand worth holding. The last time I held a hand, I was in a hospital room and she was getting ready to die. Death doesn't scare me. Maleficent from Sleeping Beauty still scares me and Angelina Jolie couldn't have portrayed her properly. Even if she tried, I tried to play by the rules. That's a lie. Lies go full circle like pupils dilating, like dialing on an old-fashioned telephone. Zero, five, zero, five, four. I still remember your phone number, but I never let it ring, so I settle for a dial tone. Twelve is how old I was the first time I ever felt unbeautiful, because he said I was. Twenty-one is twelve backwards the year I realized that my thinking is backwards. Words cut stranger shapes from strangers. Words, letters, letters, words. A's, B's, C's, D's, D's, D's. Ding dong, the witch is dead. Ruby shoes, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. Each number bears a significance that we cannot see until we experience that instance when we realize who we are and why we are them. I remember, I remember you said I could never be a poet because I'd never be able to rhyme a hundred words together and you're right. I can't give you a hundred words, instead I'll give you 255. Here's 200 just because in 55 for good measure for every time you said my words wouldn't take me anywhere. Hand in hand, holding, folding, toting, telling truth, no use, it's lies. Don't fly this time, sky high, you and me, you and I, not seeing eye to eye, little more rhythm in your drum, everyone, and everyone is said to be no good for me, whenever, whenever, we never walk together, drifting apart is my art, words are my brush, hush, don't say a word. A picture's worth a thousand words, unheard, absurd, I remember, brains as plain as the trains of my thought, and we bought a penny for your thoughts, a penny for the many times these lines untied the notion we fought, and sought a solution for inclusion and clearing the confusion. I remember September before the last December when we spin, splint, crash, stash, bash, lash out, speak out, live outside the box, unlock the box, stop, pop, drop, stop. I remember you said I could never even put a hundred words together, but I've never been good with numbers. Okay, well, I'm I'm Afra. I'm uh, half American Japanese and half Emirati. I'm a spoken word poet and a slam poet. Um, what else? 
I'm doing my PhD in mass communication at UAE University. Uh, I did my master's degree in international relations and diplomacy and my undergraduate in applied uh, communication. Contrary to what it sounds like, I'm actually really fun. I'm not boring and I'm not that old. Um, when I met you, you were uh, reading this poem about like um, identity and um, I remember my friend and I, Hiba, we immediately ran up to you. We're like, this girl is awesome. Yeah, you accosted me. <laughs> I was like, Afra is so cool. Let's talk to her about identity and all these interesting facets. But how personal it is, is it, like, ident like identity in general for you? Uh, for me, it's, it's incredibly personal. I, I think everyone needs to know who they are and not necessarily who the world thinks they should be. So I think it's, it's incredibly important. Uh, a lot of artists generally incorporate their own personal identity and their own personal experience into their art. So I try to do the same with, uh, with spoken word. We were sitting there and we were eating our food and the minute we heard you, we stopped. Like, we all... <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> we're like, what? What are we hearing? This is so cool because we didn't really expect it. But were you expecting me to be one of those very boring poets that just goes on and on and on and no, on? No, I mean like we did we did the not sky and the people and the tables I mean, and <laughs> it's I mean it's our university and we were assuming some people are gonna do stuff about like um like they usually do, which is mostly things like love and whatever, and then <laughs> you did this one part where you talked about um food. And we're like, what? We, we started laughing so hard. It was so good. We uh, loved it. I love I love doing that that poem. That poem actually became, for a while there, it was like my signature piece. So people would, would come up to me and be like, you're the one that did the poem about food. And you're the one that does. And, and it's, it's so interesting because I love like one of, you know, my favorite place to be in the world is on stage. And um, my second favorite place to be after being on stage is quite literally after being on stage is I love uh, talking to people that were at the performance because mm -hmm. it's, it's always good to get to get feedback and to just meet people and to see what they say and people would be like oh you articulated everything that I ever wanted to say about food and I'm like great there are foodies out there I'm talking about food and how much I love food and you know I, I want to be a taste tester and the you know, test kitchen on the Food Network and all of this stuff. And then it suddenly takes this very dramatic, serious turn and it starts talking about the way that we view ourselves and the way that we um, want the world to see us and the way that the world does see us. And I think a lot, you know, it starts off and people are like laughing and it's fun and I'm laughing and we're having, you know, there's, everyone's having such a good time and then it goes into this very dramatic silence. Like there's always a dramatic silence um, in the crowd and, and I think that it makes people think and uh, I, I love that about about that piece um given like we're both in the UAE um what do you have to say about the spoken word scene or the poetry scene or the performance scene in any case um I have to give credit where credit is due and, uh, so the founder of rooftop rhythms um, in Abu Dhabi. His name is Dorian and he's really the guy that facilitates a lot of the spoken word events and he's the one that really pushed to bring spoken word uh, to the country, to the region and he's an amazing poet himself. He's, you know, I'm very proud and very privileged to uh, 
call him one of my, one of my friends, and he's just amazing in the way that he supports poets and really tries to to bring that cultural element. And I think he is responsible for uh, I shouldn't say responsible. That sounds bad, but he's the driving force behind uh, the poetry scene in the country and he's just in incredible at, at what he does and, and the support that he gives the poets and to me uh, professionally and, and personally. Um, what <laughs> uh, what places, like, where do you usually, like, perform at, like, on a regular basis? I perform wherever they let me, wherever there's a stage. <laughs> you just come in there like, I, I want to perform. There you go, that's what I do. No, I'm, I mean, I'm a, I'm a regular um, at Rooftop Rhythms, I'm a regular at, um, Blank Space, which is another mm. uh, poetry platform in Dubai. Check them out. Um, I also perform with uh, Zena Hashembek at uh, Punch. Oh, I love I love her poems. I met um, her a couple of times. She's amazing. She's also, uh, just going back to the poetry scene, she's also a key, one of the key people um, who has blessed the poetry scene um, in in the in the country and I think and in the region as well. She's just amazing uh, as a performer, as a person, as a as a poet, and she really uh, is also very supportive of uh, of spoken word and bringing out uh, bringing poets together and bringing out um, the talent. So I would say that also Zena is quite um, influential, and I'm also uh, very lucky to uh, consider her, uh, you know. My friend as well. I think that it's like it is a blessing uh, to be part of such an incredible community of of poets and performers. It really is, and I've only met great people through this. Um, there's another poetry platform in Elaine as well. Um, that's also run by a couple of ladies um, that live in Elaine. So it's that's also an incredible community unto itself. So I think that. There are different platforms, but the the heart of this is the same. It's about poetry and it's about building that community. And I think these people, you know, especially uh, Dorian and Zena, have facilitated that. That's really nice. Um, earlier in our discussion, off. Very, very <laughs> way earlier. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about how... Um, identity and how your poet your poetry because we're going to talk about your poetry how your poetry changed from um a specific like focus and somehow went to the direction of identity um can you explain more about that okay so um one of my friends uh shout out colleen rice um wrote something a very long time ago and she was talking about uh moving and she was talking about culture and one of the things that she said that has stuck with me for so long is that culture is fluid and art is a big part of culture and I think art is also fluid my art is um is fluid as well I mean it went from being something that um where I was I was talking about like more about issues and you know just things going on in the world and specific situations and it's shifted into being more about um, identity there's a lot more person uh, personal stories a lot more personal anecdotes as well so I think it has transformed in that respect but I think like with all um, art forms especially I me mean, like when I go and look back at the earlier poems like what was I thinking like how could I have done that in front of people like this is a terrible 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 piece 
Um, so I'm actually quite judgmental about my my, <laughs> my earlier work. Um, but I think it's definitely taken that shift. Um, one of the things that has really helped, I think, is, is Dorian always encourages me to uh, talk about different things and to bring in that personal element. And I think that's that's really... Okay, so um, one of, of my friends, uh, Colleen Rice, wrote something a long time ago when she, I think she was moving, it was a couple of years ago, and uh, she wrote that culture is fluid. And it's something that really struck me and stuck with me uh, for a really long time because it is. And I don't really think that anything in your life is, is static. You know, everything moves and everything evolves and everything changes. And uh, I think art is the same way. I definitely think that my poetry is the same way. I think that it, it, it changes. And like when I go back and look at earlier poems, um, I'm, I'm sometimes appalled. And I'm like, how could I? How could I have done that? How could I have read that? Why did I write this way? That doesn't even rhyme. That doesn't even make sense. That's a typo. I don't even know what that word is, you know. And it's it's just um, interesting to see the change. And I start so I started out talking about uh, specific situations that I had gone through, or talking about you know global issues or and things like that. And and it started to become more uh, as it evolved. And this is why I think it's fluid. It's it's become more about my identity as a person, uh, how much of me or how much of who I am is tied to my identity. Who you know who who is Efron? I think that's the like the big question. The, uh, that's the ultimate question. But um, Dorian's always been amazing in this in the way that he, uh, with regards to my poetry, would like encourage me to do more personal things to to explore different. Uh, aspects of my life, different aspects of my experiences. So I, I really think he, he's, uh, he's helped a lot. Uh, going to university has helped doing my PhD because you, it's really intense and you have to look at things differently and looking at a culture and identity and all these different key factors. You know, when you, when you look at uh, different global issues, I think has really helped uh, open my eyes to things that I didn't necessarily do before. Um, and I think a part of it was before I was always very, very self-conscious about talking about my, my identity and my experience in the sense that I felt like either, you know, nobody wants to hear about it or maybe it wasn't going to be received very well or why would I want to do that to myself? Oh my God, this is so embarrassing. So I think I've, I've grown, um, as a poet and I, and I can, I can, sometimes I can feel it. Like I can feel, um. I can I can feel that growth. So I think I definitely think it's it's evolved. I really think that when people look at voices, global voices, and when you look at your identity as a person, a lot of the times you, your first reaction is to tie it to a place. Mm -hmm. You know, your identity is you know country X, where you come from. But a large part that gets ignored is the experience factor and I personally think that identity is it is partially where you're from but a huge chunk of it is your experience your experience yes. is different than mine my experience is different than the other someone person. else's who yeah. may come from the same place in the same city in the same same town in the same neighborhood mm -hmm. so I think that everyone has their own unique experience that shapes who they are that shapes who they are so I think
there's, I mean, people like to generalize about people and places and things and cultures and uh, you kind of can't blame them because to look at everyone and their separate experiences and all of that, sometimes it's just, it's easier for some people, it's easier to digest Mm. um, if they put people in boxes, boxes, exactly. Their mental heuristics. Um, Yeah, pretty much, you know. So, I, 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 I get it. I understand why. But at the same time, people need to have this awareness of that someone is in a box and they're from this place and they've gone to this school or they've married into that family or whatever it is. But their experience as person is completely different than someone else in that same neighborhood. In that same, yeah, in that same situation. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even within, um, like, I've, done a lot of reading and a lot of research into, uh, you know, into feminism and gender studies. And one of the key things about it is that there is not, I mean, there's, there's feminism, like as a concept, Mm -hmm. but within that there's different kinds of feminism for different groups of people, groups of people who have had different experiences And, and feminism means different things to different people. And even, you know, I had a, a friend uh, during my undergraduate uh, studies and, and this one time I remember this clearly that I was complaining about something and and I don't remember what it was and she comes up to me and she goes, Hefa, you can't be thinking about or you, you can't expect people to think the same way that you do. She's like, if I give you a piece of paper and I draw like a line on it and we pass that paper out to 20 different people, they're going to say 20, that they think 20 different things about that same line on the same piece of paper. Yeah. Um, So I think that was very, very simple, but very profound in a sense that people, because they have different identities and they've gone through different experiences, they think in different ways. So I think it's always important to be conscious of that. I don't actually know if that answers your question. I'm pretty sure it doesn't, but... Um, no, it does. I mean, it does the, give a, the, a great... Here's the thing about me going to uh, going to get my PhD. Other than the fact that I think it's really cool that people are going to have to call me Dr. Afra. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the, the second reason is that I graduated from my master's degree with a 4.0 GPA. And I had excellent recommendations and I was, I could have had my pick of any school to go to for, uh, to, to pursue my, my PhD. And for a long time I considered, you know, going to a, to a big name school, going to, you know, an Ivy League or uh, just a, a big, uh, really big, uh, you know, top ranking school. And uh, not to discount the university that I go to because they do are they're doing phenomenal things uh, for the country and for uh, national development and for you know research and they're they're actually it's really intense. I mean, I'm, there's there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of work that goes into it. So I'm not by any means uh, discounting my university. I'm just saying that I had my pick of several uh, top tier schools, and the reason that I chose to go to the university that I'm at is because I thought that if I'm going to put, you know, at least four to six years of work 
and blood, sweat, and tears, and effort, and to, to give them four years of my life, or, you know, possibly six, um, that I wanted it to come out of a, a national university, because that's where I need to be, and that's where I want to make my contribution, and I think that's, um, that it, that is the ode to my identity, I think, because things move, and things change, and I want to be, you know, I, I want to be, a, I want my name to be attached to a national, uh, big league national university, because as an Emirati, I think it's so important to have academics that do, that do research and that contribute not only to uh, the existing knowledge, you know, that is produced within the country, but also to the global, you know, human knowledge. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm really happy with my choice. I've had a, a really good experience at my university and I'm just uh, a lot of, I get asked that question a lot, like, why did you pick this university? Why did you go somewhere else? Why did you do something else? And I feel like that's, this is my contribution. This is, this is what I want to do. This is where I need to be. And this is where I'm meant to be. They greeted me with all the enthusiasm of payday at the end of a 31-day month. Hi, welcome to 
Brambies, we have the greatest toys in the world. We stock only the finest toys for your little girls and your little boys, all for the low, low price of gender stereotypes. Sales tax not included. Parts and accessories are sold separately. At Brambies, telling your child what they can and cannot do based on their gender is the absolute top priority. Those first few years are crucial, so let's not be stingy with the buying and spend, spend, spend. Now, you will notice that this store is split right down the middle, but first things first, you can't shop without a basket, so pick a basket, pink or blue. All you need to do is pick one, pick a side, walk down the aisle, and watch the magic unfold. I walk down the left to see pink walls, pink dolls, pink Malibu Barbie beach house, pink shopping carts for little girls stuffed with plastic groceries to take into our little pink world, and who can forget the Barbie ice cream machine. Now available with real sprinkles. Ask a sales rep for more details. Makeup vanity ages 3 and up small parts may cause choking hazards for younger girls. My first tiara ages 3 and up. Anna and Elsa dresses ages 4 to 5. Lipstick that changes color with your mood ages 5 to 6. Sleeping Beauty music box ages 3 and up. Now only $49.50 when you buy it with, the, with matching plastic glass slippers. I turn to the right. Shocked. Face longer than the goodbye scene of Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, by the way, sold exclusively in the boys' aisle, and as I made my way there, the walls turned from bubblegum pink to dark blue Gotham City-themed walls. Boys' toys, robot cars with remote controls. Now you can build your own robot right in your living room. Bloody-faced wrestlers, Hot Wheels, play school dinosaurs, they're big and strong and tough. Blastables, cops, and helicopters be part of the heart-pounding fun of a high-speed chase. Batteries not included. Action figures, shoot 'em up, round 'em up, cowboys, little John Cena's little toy soldiers, Lego, little Lego Darth Vader's science experiment kits, complete with lab coats and water pressure powered rockets. And I wonder, when did we forget that kids are just kids? I once asked my niece what she wanted to be when she grows up. She said, Jack Sparrow. I said I can call you Jack. She said, No, Afari. You can call me Captain. And I can't imagine that she could possibly grow up in a world where someone will tell her picking a side is all she has to do and all her options only come in pink and blue. What are, where are the places in Dubai, Abu Dhabi, Adayan, Sharjah, that you think that young poets and performers should go to, to meet other people like them? 
Um, there, there are a couple of platforms. So there's, uh, there's in Dubai, there's Punch, and there's Blank Space. There's um, in Abu Dhabi, there's obviously rooftop, uh, rooftop rhythms. There's Backyard Poetry. Shout out to Backyard Poetry too. They're an amazing platform for um, up and coming poets as well. Um, there's an open mic in an Ain. I was told actually that AUS has a couple of uh, a couple of open mics. So yeah, we do. Uh, check check those out as well. Uh, I met so many uh, so many people at the last open mic at uh, AUS. So I would definitely uh, keep a lookout for them. Um, but you know what? These things are you just have to uh, you just have to keep looking. I mean, you know, there there might be a new uh, a new platform that comes up that. You know, even I don't know about. So I would advise you just keep looking, keep connected. Um, I think the nice thing about these platforms, though, is that even if you don't do poetry and you're not a performer, you can still go in and uh, and enjoy the the performances. Um, and I think that's like a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing about this community. And uh, it's really supportive and it's very inclusive and it's not. I mean, it's it's not pretentious in any way, shape, or form. So I mean, everyone feels uh, feels welcome and accepted and accepted. Um, before we end this, what is your form of self care, or do you? <laughs> <laughs> what do you do to stay afloat on, in this crazy world? Uh, generally, it's eat. I mean, that's the short answer to this. Um, I do different things uh, to unwind. I'm finally, I was telling you earlier before we started recording that I'm finally at a point in my life where I, I'm happy and I, and I like the way things are going, alhamdulillah. So I just, it's that feeling of being uh, calm and being okay and being happy and just enjoying life is actually quite new to me. So I don't necessarily have any rituals. Um, when I'm incredibly stressed out, I like to have someone wash my hair for me. I'd go to a salon and have them wash my hair. I don't know why. It's it's soothing for me. Um, <laughs> but definitely, I feel like being surrounded by people that um, understand you and, and support you and love you, it's, it's really the, the best way to go with these things. Um, I'm not very introverted. I'm, I'm actually quite extroverted. So I do like being around uh, around like-minded people and being around people in general. I feel like I get a lot of my energy from uh, people. Um, but I mean, you were telling me that you meditate, so I mean, maybe, I need to, maybe I need to try that. Um, yeah. I've been addicted to this game called Jelly Splash. It's ridiculous, but it's... it's. I, I don't know, I'm almost embarrassed to admit it to the public, but yeah, I, I play Jelly Splash before I go to bed. Maybe that's but that's your form of like of winding down. Care. I should have a ritual. Like I, yeah. I'm envious of people that have actual rituals that like, you know, they'll do like lotions and like have like tea before they go to bed and just you know do all Try of that. Try it stuff. out. Like just start. I'm, I used to be an event planner, so my mind is always on thinking about the things that I did do or that I didn't do or that I didn't do properly or that I should have done a different way or just stuff, you know, that needs to be done the next day. Um, But one of the things that has helped me is I have a a very, very close friend and she she makes lists and she once made a joke that if she um, had to name her, you know, make a list of her favorite things, Mm -hmm. making a list would be on that list. Um, so she's, it's, she's helped me a lot. I mean, she, she keeps lists for a lot of things, but she makes me keep a list of 
all the things that the significant events that uh, are like positive experiences and I think that's really therapeutic I think it's helped me a lot but I also in you know with that sentiment I also keep to-do lists and as I was looking through my phone trying to find out which poem I'm gonna read I came across like a lot of to-do lists so I really think something that helps me like sort of turn my mind off before I go to sleep um, is making a to-do list for the next day so that at least I know what it is that I have to do mm-hmm. and it I think it just makes things a bit more uh, a bit more manageable like I said I used to be in events and media and it was just crazy um, crazy crazy fast-paced environment so you definitely need to stay on top of things and now it's like okay I got a poetry performance and I got a 20-page paper due and I've got to do I don't know what else and I have to do this and that and it just helps to make things uh, easier easier and definitely more manageable um, where can our listeners find you on social media you can find me everywhere <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm mostly, I mean, I, I'm on a lot of different, uh, social media platforms. I'm revamping my website, afrotik.com, so stay tuned for that. Um, I also have a YouTube channel, which I haven't updated in a while, which I will be updating. So also, you know, like and subscribe and, uh, mainly subscribe because then at least I feel like I have viewers and that I have, I have a purpose. <laughs> and what's your Instagram handle? Um, okay. So Instagram is afrotik, uh, website is afrotik.com. Uh, Twitter is the only thing that's different. It's A underscore Afra because uh, I made Afra Atik um, on Twitter, but I forgot the password and they wouldn't let me reset it, so I had to change it. But I'm basically Afra Atik everywhere else on Instagram. Um, you know, and, and connect. Uh, follow, like, subscribe. I think it's really important for uh, like-minded people to connect because they're, you can't do things on your own. Yeah. And uh, you need you always need to be... It's so important to... Uh, artistically, you know, to meet with people and to talk to people as as well. So um, that's where you can find me. Yeah. And I guess that's it for today. Um, thank you for coming all the way here. Thank okay. you for having me. I had I had so much fun. This was a really enlightening afternoon. And uh, I just, mm. you know, hopefully you guys will enlighten back. Inshallah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, and yeah. that's about it. That's it for Art Bilayo today. Bye. Bye.